0: Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you. Uh, we are getting ramped up. I, I'm, the more I preach on this series, this, this setting up for what we're doing, the more excited I get about what God is, is doing. And I can sense it in the praise, the worship. I can sense it in just, I hope that you are getting geared up. Now, we talked about how we go through the process of this. And so, The last few Sundays we've talked about the process that has to take place for us to be prepared to be refueled, to be refreshed. You you can't just go to church. You can't just say, okay, we're just going to have some more services. No, there's a mindset that has to take place. Trent kind of alluded to it a little bit on the stage a few minutes ago where he talked about, all right, we all repent. Repent. We all need to repent. We all need to say, God, search us. What is what is bitter in my heart? We always think it's something, well, I'm not doing anything. That's not always it. Sometimes it's just the fact that I'm just getting more cynical than I used to be. I'm, I'm more critical about things than I used to be. I, I, I don't feel like I used to. I, I say the words more often now than I ever have. I don't care. Whatever. I don't care. And that's, that's a sign that what's happening is, is that what's in me is leaking out. And we talked about that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's not so much that the leaking, like, like there's some fluid in you that leaks out. But what happens is, is that the influence that He has over our life. And we'll share some of that today. Because we talked about repenting, and then last week we talked about the second phase in this is turning. Is that you've got to turn. Is, is there things in your life this week that you begin to turn in? There's things in my life. There's stuff that I began to do and readjust in my life, stuff that I wasn't doing that I, I, I started back doing more. Is, are you starting to turn yourself back toward God? Areas that you used to be really excited about or areas you used to do, uh, man, I used to come early and pray over the church and everything, and now I'm just lucky to get here on time. Have you begin to turn back toward things that really mattered to you? When those two things take place, you're setting yourself up for these moments of refreshing. You're setting yourself up for what God is wanting to do and how God is wanting to pour out his His refilling, his refueling, refreshing on your life. Now today, we move into the third part, which is my desire. If I had to ask you to stand up right now, come to the altar and pray, what would be your desire? What is it you would be praying about? Fast you right now. Just stand up. We're going to come to the altar. Everybody raise your hands. And whatever it is that you're, you're needing from God, whatever it is you're wanting from God, whatever it is, is you're, then I want you to ask him for it right now. And when you do it, would it move God? Or would you think, oh, I, I guess, you know, I believe he heard me, I hope. Because it didn't, it didn't anything impactfully happen in your life. Well, I want to share with you today the third part of this, repenting, returning, And now, asking the question, why? Why do I want all this? Why do I want a refreshing? What's the purpose? What's my greatest desire? What's the greatest desire that you have this morning? Before revival, a lot of times my greatest desire is just, can we just get everything settled where it's not chaos? Can we just, just, you know, all get along? Can we just, just, can can the country just settle down? Can everything... But what does it look like in God's eyes? A few things I need to share with you today in this process. I want to first share with you the power that you have is not enough. When you're talking about your desire, the power that you have is not enough. And then secondly, is that Satan has a plan to stop you getting anything of importance. And then thirdly... What would you ask then in prayer? That's what I want to share with you today. It's not complicated. This is not hard. We're going to go back through the third and the fourth chapter of Acts, and I'm going to point out some things and show you where I'm at right now in my. Because now I'm at a point where, God, I've asked you to forgive me of anything. I'm at a point now where, God, I'm turning. Now it's like, well, Tim, what do you need? What is it you want? What is it you want more than anything else in your life? So let's begin. When I understand now that my power is not enough to accomplish what I want to accomplish for the kingdom. Go go with me in your Bibles to the third chapter, verses 11 and 12. And I'm going to pull out a few of these from the third and fourth chapter for you. And we're going to walk through and understand when we when I say your power is not enough, what are we talking about? Here's what it says. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, because this is what we talked about, the man that was healed at the gate. He's healed. He goes into the temple with, with Peter and John. There's about 5,000 plus people there at that time. This is an enormous uh, time of prayer in the evening. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or look so intensely at us. As though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man to walk. Peter Peter understands that when I'm fixing to start this conversation with you, there's one place I need to begin. First, why are you so amazed that God can do miracles? Why are you so amazed that God can do great things? Why Why does it seem so amazing to you? Because Peter and John have been close enough to Jesus to where... Hey, I believe God can do it. I believe God can do it. But the second thing they understood about this was this, is that it's never been done by our own power. It's not anything that you look at us or get amazed at us or or glorify in us or something that we have done. Our power is insufficient to be able to do everything that you're seeing. Our power is insufficient to be able to make this happen. Now let me show you another one. Go with me to verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. This is our main scripture. So that times of refreshing may come from where? From the presence of the Lord. The third part of this is that I repent, I turn, but my power, the presence, isn't mine. The ability to become more than what I want to be isn't mine. If, if, I, if that was the case, I would determine how my day was going to go every day by how I feel. I would just say, I don't feel good today. I don't feel great today. So today won't be a great day. But understand, it's not in my power. It's not up to me and my ability. It's not into me and my education. Or, or my what the world wants to do is it wants you to think that because you are at a certain place or you are at a certain level or you don't know all the scriptures by memory, by or you that you can't accomplish what God wants to accomplish. But understand, look at the person beside you and say, it's never my power. It's never my power. I'm not doing it by my power. I'm doing it by his power. I just need to be willing. I just need to be a vessel. I just need to be open to it. I just need to believe that he can. So how do I do that? When I turn, when I repent, when I say, God, you're my source, you're everything, then times of refreshing, times of empowerment come into my life. And so what happens is I have to go through the process. I have to start the process so that God can catch me in the process and do great and mighty things. So what's happening? Well, we see it in the story of Peter and John. Peter and John are going to do what they're normally doing. They're going to pray. They're just going through their normal motions. But in that process, they see a lame man. And in that process, the power of God has the opportunity to work through them. Let me show it to you again. Chapter 4 and verse 8. Here's what it says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and people and elders of Israel. What has happened here? Well, Peter and John have healed this guy, preached this message. 5,000 people have heard it. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the rulers, they're all frustrated by this, that they're talking about Jesus. So they grabbed them and they put them in a hold. And they leave them there all night to scare them, to intimidate them. And they bring them out the next day and stand them in front of their court. And there in front of that court, they're like, now give us a reason for what you've done. Explain to us what you've done. And they understand that Peter and John are uneducated people. These are fishermen. But there's one thing they didn't count on, is that Peter and John were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, it's not their power, it's not their ability, but the Bible makes it very clear. Then Peter stands and is going to talk, but it notes here that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't say Peter had a seminary degree, didn't say Peter had been studying all night, had been thinking about it. No, it just says one thing about Peter. Peter had power that they didn't realize. He had power that they didn't understand. He had a source that came beyond what you could see on his, his body or on, on his look. He, you could look at Peter and think, well, this guy can't. But the moment he opened his mouth, the Bible says the power of God began to float. Let, let's read it and notice how he speaks. If we this day, verse 9, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. Now, he's not mincing words. He not only just answers their question. He said, you're the one that killed our Messiah. You're the one that put him to death. Let it be known that you have done this. Verse 11, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men by we must be saved. Verse 13, it's very important. Now when they saw the... Where did that boldness come from? Wasn't Peter. But when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... And perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they. This is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Somebody asked me the other day, "What's one of your favorite scriptures?" Well, this is one of them. But you have to understand, I am that guy. I'm uneducated. I'm not eloquent. I I, I, I spit and sputter as I'm preaching. Well, you need, to, you need to clean it all up. No, it's not really important to me. It really has no bearing on me. The only thing that matters is that when you hear me speak, whether you look at me and say, well, he's untrained. Man, he uses words. He don't need to be saying those words. My wife reminds me of that all the time. It's okay. As long as the people who hear me or the people who watch my life marvel just marvel yeah but he's not doesn't matter just just marvel at it he's just different he's unique he's 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 weird he's whatever you want to call him but just marvel see that doesn't bother me the world thinks because we we get a certain education because then we get no he says they marveled and they realized that they had been with that's the only two things that matter to me. In my life, if I can do what I'm doing and people marvel at, Lord, this dude is not, but how does he do what he does? And then secondly, they say, but I'll tell you one thing about him. You can tell he spends a lot of time with Jesus. That's the only things that will matter. That's the only thing that carries weight. Look at that person again beside you and say, my power is not enough. My power is not enough. I wish it was. I wish you could dress a certain way, and you could you could look all pretty, and you could you could do it a certain way, and say the right words. But let me explain this to you. Your power is not enough. It is going to require God's power. Go with me to chapter four and verse thirty-one. Let me show it to you one more time. Chapter four and verse thirty-one. No, I'm throwing a couple more scriptures. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with their power is not enough. They're praying, God. We need more. We cannot survive in what we have. We need more. this word "filled" with the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand. It doesn't just mean like like they got refilled. What it means is they got reconnected to where they are being led by the Spirit. So I want you to understand that when I say you're you're you're, you're kind of you got a cup that has a. Hole in it and and it leaks out. It's not that you lose the spirit. Oh, I've lost the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. You're not losing the Holy Spirit. But what's happening is is that it's getting contaminated in that cup, and over time it gets contaminated and gets contaminated until where literally it's hard to listen or trust. The Holy Spirit. So you feel disconnected. You feel, so what happened? Times of refreshing. Think of it like taking the cup and we're going to wash it all out and we're going to fill it all back up. If, if I, many times I'm not good at washing dishes. I, I, I'm not. So the easiest way to wash dishes is this, is that you put a bowl or whatever that's dirty right there under the faucet and you turn on the water. Now at first, if you just, if you just do it to where it's full, then what? It's just, it's just dirty in there, right? But if you just leave that thing on and let it just keep, what eventually happens inside that bowl? Is it dirty anymore? No, it's clean. All the water has flushed out all the bad. You keep putting fresh in and it pushes out the bad. And eventually you got the bowl and you take it out, wipe it off and it's done. Don't you want to come eat over at my house? No. But it's the same mindset when you talk about the Spirit. It's that he wants to just keep flooding it in there so that it's pushing out. It just keeps bubbling out. It just keeps until we're literally, you look down in there and it's like, oh, it's pure again. And what's happening is when he says he, he filled them all with the Holy Spirit, he just flooded back in and pushed out so that you can hear me again, so that you can listen to me again, so that you can be feeling. And so when we talk about times of refreshing and times of this, what it means is I need power that I don't have. I need power that I can't have within myself. Where is it going to come from? From the time when the Holy Spirit is just going to keep pouring in. So brother Lot, why are we doing service after service after service? Because you need that continuous at times to just continually keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and it keeps bubbling out what's wrong. That's why you have seasons where we come together and we say we're going to have four or five nights of services. We're going to have because what i want is i want god to just keep flushing and flushing and by that fourth and fifth night my whole way of seeing life my whole way of listening to god is different the second thing is understand this is important because satan has a plan and this is his plan go with me to chapter 4 verse 13 here's what we're here now When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, I read that from one side, and you thought, oh, that's a cool script. See, when I see it from my side, it's like, yes. But when the world sees that, they're like, no. It's amazing you can have the same scripture, and two different people can see it from two different ways. I'm looking at it like, yes, we need more of the spirit. The world is like, no, we need to kill this. You ever done that? You ever shared something that God had done or something good happened in your life and they just kind of give you that look, somebody you tell it, and it's like, well, I guess you just got lucky. It's like, you're not happy for me? You're not excited for me? You're not? No, it didn't happen to me. It's not the way I want it. So listen to the next verse. And seeing the men who had been healed, seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now they would love to. They, they would love to find something to criticize about or or to say something about or to isn't it amazing how news the news is not going to come and in a catastrophe and talk about how many churches went down to help people. They're not going to talk about how many things, how many uh, thousands of trailers they sent down and to help people. They're not going to send. They're not. We're not going to have no newscast on that. They're not going to talk about all of it went down there with chainsaws and helped and spent days and years and weeks and whatever it took to, to get them back. They're not going to talk about that. But let one song director have a problem, and it'll be on Facebook. It'll, it'll be, why? Because that fits the scenario that they want. That's why it's so important to realize is that you can't afford to not walk in power. You can't afford to keep messing up and stumbling and thinking it doesn't matter because Satan has a plan. His goal is to divert because he can't divert what you've done good, but what he can do is try to find something that you have done wrong. So... Pastor Lot, I can do a thousand things right. But if the enemy can find one thing wrong, that's the only thing he's going to care about. That's an enormous burden, isn't it? For you parents, for you raising your kids, you're like, you, you try to teach them, teach them, and, and and if you do one thing, they'll remember that for the next 25 years that you did in their life. Well, you remember that time. You spanked me that time. Like, how many times did I carry you to Walmart? You forgot all that. How many meals did I get? How many times did we go to Sonic and Wendy's? And Yeah, but that's not important. I just remember that one time you got mad at me and it scarred me, and I've been messed up ever since. Isn't it amazing how people think? So we as parents, we as, and we especially as Christians who have an enemy against us who wants nothing more to have something that he can constantly throw in your face. Paul dealt with this his whole life. He was called the persecutor. It was his nickname, the persecutor. Why? Because even after years of starting churches, years of writing letters, years of doing all he did, oh yeah, but that's that guy that used to kill Christians. I remember what he used to be. The enemy will always use whatever it can. So listen to what he says. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? Ain't that amazing? When you leave here today, what is the enemy going to do to you? When you walk out of here today, what has the enemy planned, strategized to do to you? For some of us, it'd be just simply, well, as soon as they get out of out of this presence and as soon as they soon get get away from this, I'll start talking to them again and I'll get them back in depression. Oh, there, there, there! I'm going to do it, Pastor. I'm doing. It. And and you make it about to lunch. It's like, well, how you doing, man? It's a great day today. Yeah, it was a good day. For some, it's situations that you're living in. You walk out of here today, it's like, oh, could we just stay right here? Can't we just? And as soon as you walk out, it's the kids, the in-laws, the outlaws, the job, the situations. The It's like, oh, now back to real life. If you're not careful, that will become real life. This will become just something you do. The enemy has a strategy and his strategy is simply this, saying, what shall we do to these men? What what, what is the enemy going to do when you walk out of here today? Where will he attack you? And will it work? Has it worked so far? Will he attack your marriage? Will he attack your your worry over finances? What's he going to attack? Do you know what it is? If you don't, just, just think of how good you feel right at this moment. Everything's good. And then when you start to walk out, just take a piece of paper and write down, oh, this is what keeps dragging me back down. Just know that's what the enemy's going to keep using until you defeat it. Whatever it is, he's going to keep using it until you defeat it what shall we do? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them and is evident of all who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. In other words, we're not even going to talk about it. Let's not even worry about it. We can't deny the good. But we got to find another avenue of attack. we got to find another avenue. That's why there's certain people in your life, and, and it, don't you like being around them because they remind you of the good that you do? They're encouragers. You, you feel down. You feel warm. You, and they come around, man, you, you're doing good. You're, you're a great mom. You're you're a great dad. You're great this. You're great. And you're like, yeah, I guess so. And it's like, man, I just like being around you. Why? Because they're not like this. They're not trying to just avoid or or deny that you did something good. You've done a lot of good. But they're in the business of trying to find what you don't do good. What shall we do to them? It's evident that they've done something good. We can't deny that, verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people. think about that. So that it don't spread any further to your kids to your wife, to your husband, to your family, to your co-workers, so that it doesn't spread any further. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no more in this name or in the name of Jesus. Isn't it amazing what the world does? The name of Jesus, you can't use it. If you were to pray over Congress or to pray over, you can use God, because it it could be anybody, but you can't use Jesus. It's kind of like a a dirty word. You can pray, use God, but but don't say in the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father. Oh, now you don't went too far. But that's the whole strategy. I had someone the other day who was talking to me. And it kind of, kind of an odd conversation because they were asking stuff that had happened and I hadn't seen them in a few years. And I said, well, God has helped us do this and God has, and and, and they kept trying to go back to, well, now, you know, you've done a lot of that, you know, and, and I'm like, well, I, I mean, God works through me, but but it's God who does, you know, and they, they just kept, the conversation just kept jumping back and forth from, you need to take more credit, you need to, and, and I'm constantly like, no. No, if you know me, that's the way I am. I, I'm just, I don't want any. And it finally hit me that that's, that's the whole thing, is that let's try to reach a point where we take more and he takes less. Well, I've worked hard. You mean with the body that God gave you? You mean with the mind that God gave you? You mean with the health that God, is that what you're talking about? You worked hard? Well, i I've, I've you mean... The breath that God gave you, you did it. See, if we're not careful, we'll very easily shut the name out, and it'll become more about us. And their strategy was to say, look, we'll threaten them. Don't use that name. We don't mind you doing the good stuff. We don't mind you helping people, but just don't use that name. When we're trying to work in communities and stuff, we run into that. It's like, we don't mind you coming helping us. We don't mind you, but hey, we don't want you preaching or using that name. And it's like, well, then we can't help you. You don't understand. He's the only power we got. He's the only, we can't come in any other power. Well, we don't want that power. Well, then we'll have to find somewhere people do. Because to change that changes the whole thing. It's the enemy's strategy to cause you. To do it. In other words, if you ever help somebody and you don't say, "Listen, I helped you in the name of Jesus Christ," you've done wrong. How easy would it be if somebody we see needs meals or something like that, and we just, "Hey, man, here's five dollars." Man, thank you, thank you. Oh, no problem, no problem. God's been good to me. Do you realize that you're giving ground by not just looking and say, "Look, I want to give you this five dollars for your lunch." Well, man, thank you. Hey. It's what Jesus Christ did in my life that I'm able to help you. Oh, now you're getting, boy, that's, even the person getting the $5 is going to look at you different. Okay, whatever. I've done it. I'm telling you. You can just say, man, I just want to help you. Oh, man, thank you. But you start bringing Jesus' name and say, listen, in the name of Jesus, I'm doing this. He said, if you say, well, oh, brother, Lott, that's not, well, how about what Jesus told them? He said, if you give a glass of water in my name, you won't lose your reward. He didn't say if you give them a glass of water. If you give it in my... So that was Jesus' teaching, not mine. You can do what you want to. But even if you give somebody a glass of water, say, listen, I'm giving you this in the name of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of the Father. Okay. I don't care if it's weird to you or not. It's the only power I got. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't have his water. I just want to make sure we're clear. Without him, you don't have this water. Why is that important? But so that it spreads no further among, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak no more in this name. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak no more and teach no more in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 19. Keep her going. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Let me tell you the one thing they said, We will not give up. We're not giving up that night. For we cannot speak the things which we, but the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. This is the enemy strategy in your life. And, and what happens is, is as I need refreshing and renewing, I lose that boldness. I lose that ability. I lose that mindset to ask God for. And I'm just trying to get through things instead of bringing the kingdom into things. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me. It doesn't take many years long doing stuff that you just find like, let's just get it. Well, man, I didn't even tell them about Jesus. I didn't even spend the time to. And that's all the enemy ever wants. He wants you to go through all the motions, but don't push the kingdom. And God's whole thing is the only reason you're here, the only reason you exist, the only reason you're alive, the greatest purpose in your life is to make sure that the kingdom is spread. So it brings me to my final point. What would I ask for in prayer? If I told you we're going to stand up this morning, we're going to come to an altar, and we're going to ask God for what we need. Knowing what I just shared with you, what would you ask? Peter and John have just been through this troublesome situation. They've been through this attack. They've been through this... Well, let's let's look. Go to chapter 3 and verse 1 first. Peter and John, isn't, this isn't the first time they're going to pray. In fact, notice, now Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of... They went, they went to prayer. They went to church. They, they, they went through the motions. They. But what do you think they were asking for then? What do you think Peter and John were praying for at that moment? Lord, we don't know how to spread this thing. God, we don't know how to to carry the gospel any further. We don't know what else you want us to do. We don't know how to share this, God. We're uneducated. We're we're not trained. We don't don't know how to... How do you start a new religion? How do you... They're doing what they know, but through the situation that they went through, it changed their mindset. It changed what they desired. They'd been going to prayer every day, the hour of prayer. Nothing had been happening. Until this man gets healed, until they get ridiculed and criticized by the enemy, until they get threatened and told, if you don't change your ways, we're going to get you. Now what do you pray? What do you pray once the doctor says you got this? What do you pray when when family is all chaos? What do you do when it's all, well, let's look. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Let's look at it. Now they're going to pray. Listen to what happens. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. It's amazing. At the temple, they never raised their voice and said all that. Oh, they got a different spirit now. They got a different mindset now. Listen to what happens. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? See, they notice now we're being attacked. Why do do people plot things against us? Why is people trying to fight against us? Why is there an enemy fighting me all the time? Why is there? See, they understand I'm in a war. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm in this thing. The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, here's a prayer. What would you ask? Now, Lord, look on their threats. I love that. What is is the enemy threatening you every single day? You won't make it. It's not going to work. You're going to fail. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. What does the enemy keep threatening you with? He said, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Here's what he said when they stood up to pray. They said, Lord, look at all that's going on around us. Look at everyone that's speaking again. Look at all that's happening. And here's what we're asking for. God, we just ask that you would make everything good. Just just calm everything. If you you just, God, just, just bring a... No. They said, God, in the middle of all this chaos, this is what we're wanting. Give us boldness to speak your word right in the middle of it. Is that what you were going to come ask for this morning? God, I don't want you to change anything. Put me right smack in the middle and give me the boldness to speak what I need to speak in the middle of it. Give me the boldness by stretching your hand to heal. While we're speaking, we're asking you to heal things, to to heal bodies, to do miracles. Not only that, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus, this is what they asked for, three things. Give us boldness to speak your word. Reveal healings and miracles in our presence and do mighty acts. That's all we need. That's all I'm asking for. Give me boldness. Show signs and wonders. And do miracles that amaze this world. That's all I need. Think of all the stuff we ask for, the stuff we think we need to make life good. Theirs is real simple. But that's why they understand refreshing. Because when you get to that prayer life, notice they went in chapter 3, verse 1, nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. But when they finally line up and start praying something that God likes, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was, and they were all. See, we get it backwards sometimes. Most of the time when we think of revivals or gatherings or things, what we're doing for is for the Spirit to move. Boy, we need, we need the Holy Spirit to move. No, it's not what you need. What you need is to get yourself aligned right. And when you align right, it is natural for the Holy Spirit to move. See, the Holy Spirit, I've, I've been in churches where the Holy Spirit moved, and 10 minutes after church, they'd be ready to stab each other. And I'm thinking, y'all were just all in this altar laying hands, hugging necks, and doing. now y'all at a restaurant talking about each other. Well, it's because all they were wanting was the outward feeling and the moving without repenting without turning and without refreshing listen to me very carefully if you begin with repentance and you look at your life and begin to search and turn let me tell you the third thing that will happen is that you will know in your prayer life what it is you really want what i really desire what is it you desire from these next moments? We're going to be in June, uh, November and six through the ten. What is it that you desire? Do you just want a bunch of people saved? Do you want to? No, I've, I've told my staff, I said, look, there, there's certain people probably don't ask them to come. If they're critical of the Holy Spirit, if they, if they kind of, you know, kind of already want to be criticized and all that, I said, I probably wouldn't invite them. I said, but if there's somebody you know that's hungry for more, somebody that you know that wants, that's, that's open to more, I said, that's the people I would invite. I said, because I can't guarantee you that I won't be in this altar crying and praying, and it's going to look weird, and it's going to look all kind of crazy, and, and somebody's going to think, well, that's crazy. But you've got to understand, I really don't care about that. All I'm wanting is I'm I have a desire in my heart for God to give me more boldness than I've ever had. Well, Brother Lott, you're 50-something years old. I mean, you look what, look what God has done through all seasons. Look, you, you ought not need any more. I still crave more boldness. I still crave more. I still want to be able to just be bold and strong. I don't want my cup all muddied up and, well, I feel like the Spirit, but I'm not sure if that's the Spirit or that's me. I want to know it's the Spirit leading me. I want to to hear His voice clear and then have the energy and the boldness to say, I'll do it. I want him to have an atmosphere in my life where miracles can take place and I can lay hands on sick people. I want that. I want things happening around me that people think, man, I'm telling you, stuff just happens around pastor life. Stuff just happens around. I want that. And I want them to be amazed and marvel that this uneducated, unlearned, little talent individual that God is doing something great through. That's my desire. I want my kids to see it. I want my friends and family to see it. If I was to ask you this morning, what is your desire? What is it that burns in? What is your great desire? If it's to get by, we probably won't run well together. I want to see God do like Peter and John and all of them. And when they had prayed that prayer, the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. If I was to make you stand today and say, what is it you would come to this altar, raise your hands and say, God, here's what I want. Would it be anything close to this? I hope it is. Because this is what moves God. I know it sounds crazy, but your problems don't move God. My problems have never moved God. God, you know what I'm going through. And God's like, so? That ain't the. Way, that ain't why we're here. Yeah, but God, I'm hurting. No, God ain't wrong toenail. Got all it. So? That's not why you're here. We got to get that cup cleaned. You got to, you got to, you got to see it again, Tim. You may die next week, but that's okay. My kingdom will keep going. If you, if you're in there and you're doing what you're, then you're going to take it further than it's ever been taken. And that's what I want from you. Don't worry. I got your retirement plan worked out really good. You're going to be all right, but you're not retired yet. Will you stand? I don't know any other way to say it. I'm just getting really, really hungry for what God is going to do. Now, my desire is that it happens to all of us. My desire is that we all have this feeling, this mindset. But even if there's only a few, I still want to go. I still want to tap into what I hadn't seen him do yet. I still want to be marveled at how he works out things. My hunger is growing again. to watch God just show out. Because he already knows that, Tim, you don't have the power to do it. And I know that. Tim, you have an enemy that wants to stop you. I know that. So what are you going to do, Tim? I'm going to ask you to give me more boldness. I'm asking you, to do things in my life and around my life, miracles and signs and wonders. As you promised those that believe in you, signs and wonders follow them. I'm going to get hungry that I'm not going to give up until I see that in my life. Just so that they can see you in your kingdom. So that my kids can see your kingdom. So that Forrest and Scott County and surrounding areas of Mississippi can see you. So that they would marvel at you. I'm getting really hungry for that, Father. I pray that that hunger is growing inside your people. It's a time for you just to turn on the faucet and just let the water keep flushing through the bowl until it just washes everything out and just purifies it with just fresh water after fresh water after fresh water. To where you just look at the bowl and it's like it's, it's all gone. Father, I praise you and I thank you for what you are fixing to do and pouring out in our lives. God, let an anticipation and excitement build. Let us begin to find those people that you bump us into and we encourage them and say, hey, there's some stuff coming up I think will do you good. Father, I'm looking forward to what you're fixing to do in this next season. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This next week or two, I know I will be and I hope that you'll choose some things to to pray about, fast about. When I say fasting, some do full fast. Some some may just be, I'm just going to give up sweet tea for the week. But what I want you to do is I want you to work toward that hunger. Say, God, what, you're, what I want from you is worth more than this. And every time I'm giving this up, it's because I want something else from you. Just begin the process in your own way. I just believe God is going to do some things that's going to amaze us. How do you know that, Brother Lot? Because I can't do them. I can't do them. But he says, if I will lift him up, he'll do them. So I'm excited about what he's going to do. May the Lord bless you. Go give it old devil fits.